Hear now a reading from the prophet Jeremiah. O Lord, you misled me, and I allowed myself to be misled. You are stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. Now I am mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out. Violence and destruction, I shout. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in His name, His word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. I've heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. They threaten, if you say anything, we will report it. Even my old friends are watching me, waiting for a fatal slip. He will trap himself, they say, and then we will get our revenge on him. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of heaven's armies, you test those who are righteous and you examine the deepest thoughts and secrets. Let me see your vengeance against them, for I have committed my cause to you. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for though I was poor and needy, he rescued me from my oppressors. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, these words come from the prophet Jeremiah, and his words were heard by the people of Judah during good times and during times of despair. Jeremiah was sent to the people of Judah to prophesy, to speak on God's behalf, to warn the leaders and the people to change their ways. The northern kingdom of Israel had already been conquered by the Assyrian Empire some 120 years prior. The southern kingdom of Judah, where the temple in Jerusalem resided, was in danger of destruction just like their northern neighbors. Jeremiah was sent by God to proclaim a message of repentance, to turn around and go the other way, so that they could be a land and a people of peace with one another and with God. The leaders of Judah did not go the other way, and the people suffered. The temple was destroyed, the land was decimated, and many of the people taken into captivity and forced into exile. Jeremiah was left behind in this aftermath of the destruction and the horror. And even then, he did not give up on his people. As a messenger of God, as a prophet, he instructed his people how to live and to find a new life even in the midst of captivity and exile. Now, prophets often get a bad name, right? They speak up. A prophet, though, doesn't want to see destruction because God doesn't want destruction. Even as Jeremiah lived through his own trauma in the midst of a collective trauma, he proclaimed a message that inspired hope and a call to action that charted a course for a way forward. Now, most of our scriptures were written by 
oppressed peoples to oppressed peoples. But even still throughout Christian history, there have been people with power and with ill intentions that have used Scripture to harm those that were already down and out and those who were on the bottom of the hierarchy of culture. Thank God for the prophets that rise up at different times in different places to speak truth to power on behalf of those who have been marginalized and silenced. The prophet Jeremiah and the pain that he endured to communicate the message he had received from God was of great inspiration to another modern-day prophet, and her name was Prathia Hall, the Reverend Dr. Prathia Hall. Well, we are in the midst of a series called Preach, and we're celebrating the lives of four black preachers and spiritual activists that left an enduring mark on the religious and cultural landscape of our nation. And this week's spotlight is on Reverend Dr. Prathia Hall. And it's our prayer that we will be moved to even more deeply embrace God's beauty evidenced in all of our siblings and to preach the good news with our own lived faith. Now, Dr. Hall was a firebrand. As I read a biography over these last few weeks, there is so much that has happened in her life, and there's so much I'm not going to be able to share with you, but she was a firebrand. Like the prophet Jeremiah, she had a fire shut up in her bones, and she too could not hold in the message that she had received from God. She had to preach. Like the prophet Jeremiah, Dr. Hall was intensely invested in the practical, in the real world, and the real-life well-being of all people. And both the prophet Jeremiah and Dr. Hall responded to the oppression of the people with passion and with fire and with a deep sense of empathy. Let's learn a little bit more about Dr. Hall from our friend, uh, Reverend Aaron Carter at Simpson United Methodist Church right here in Austin. Prathia, Laura, Ann Hall Wynn was born January 1st, 1940 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Growing up sitting in the wood pews of her father's church, she learned that there is no separation between politics and faith. Politics deals with the various activities associated with governance. Governance impacts people's lives, and the Lord cares about people and our living conditions. Speaking of her childhood inspiration, she credits her parents saying, my parents were part of the mainstream of the Afro-Christian religious tradition in harmony with the African worldview that the religious and the political are profoundly integrated. Therefore, faith and freedom were woven together in the fabric of life. My parents' ministry was founded on that principle and on their belief that service to people was service to Christ. I think I recall reading somewhere that what you do unto the least of these, you have done unto me. 
There is a connection between our faith and the political, always has been. Dr. Hall was taught that it was the Roman government in connection with the religious elite who killed an innocent Palestinian Jew who went around showing the power of faith and doing good. His name is Jesus the Christ, Messiah, Lord of all. What does our faith have to say to this is the question that Prathia Hall asked herself. And what Prathia Hall came up with was what she called freedom faith. It was her belief that God created humans to be free and assist and equips those who work for freedom. And she was a worker for freedom on many levels. She engaged herself in the struggle movement for civil rights for all people, canvassed communities and organized voter registration drives. She was one of the first black women ordained in the American Baptist churches of the United States of America. She earned her Master of Divinity degree, a Master of Theology degree, and a PhD from Princeton Theological Seminary. And she also pastored the church she grew up in. And so today, we honor Reverend Dr. Prathia Hall for showing us with words and actions that faith has the power to set us and others free. Amen. Thanks to Aaron. He's a great guy, by the way. <laughs> if you ever get a chance to know him, you would enjoy him uh, greatly. Well, he just showed us that Dr. Hall was raised in uh, the religious tradition where matters of faith and public policy work together hand in hand. And Dr. Hall described this tradition and the foundation of her own faith and ministry as freedom faith. Courtney Pace, uh, Dr. Hall's biographer, said, freedom faith is the absolute positive, without a trace of doubt, conviction that God intends this people to be free. And it emerged from an understanding of God as deliverer of Jesus Christ as liberator and the spirit as power. And Dr. Hall's challenge to black churches to carry on the legacy of freedom faith. She said the pilgrimage of the sons and daughters of Africa on North American soil has been long and tedious. The terrain has been more rough than smooth and the road more crooked than straight. The mountains have seemed unclimbable and the valleys have constituted a low ground of sorrow. Yet there has been a spirit and a strength which has moved from deep within the souls of African Americans, which has kept them sane amid incredible adversity. Somehow, black people have possessed a spirit and have found a strength which has enabled them to press forward even while the winds of deprivation, adversity, and fear were driving them backward. Freedom faith has been the continuity factor from generation to generation. It functioned for the fugitives, the rebels, and the abolitionists, just as it had for the first generation of believers. In a sermon called A Nightmare in Broad Daylight, Dr. Hall lamented the passing of laws and actions of local governments that resulted in the proliferation of mass incarceration 
while ignoring campaigns and programs for social uplift that would prevent the need for mass incarceration. And while some black church leaders argued that faith and politics should not mix, Hall insisted that faith and politics must mix for two reasons. One, separation of church and state was never a luxury afforded to black people because they had never been free in either regard. Second, Hall described this question as a coalescing between the prosperity religion and the old conservatism that defended separation of church and state solely based on new upward mobility for those particular black people. She continued, We can be as pious as the day is long. We can quote scriptures at computer pace. We can bicycle through the Bible at breakneck speed, never touching down long enough or seriously enough to allow the word to interrogate us. Such tissue-thin, stubble faith requires of us no ethical responsibility for the black community that has enabled mobility. And according to Hall, this behavior leads to some strange and deadly attitudes in our struggle. Dr. Hall boldly declared that to, that to whom much is given, much is required. And because of Dr. Hall's freedom faith, she had to preach. Well, while earning her undergraduate degree at Temple University in Philadelphia, where she grew up, she became involved in the civil rights movement. In 1961, she and 10 other demonstrators were arrested for sitting in at a drive-in restaurant in Annapolis, Maryland that did not per permit black customers. And in 1962, Hall joined the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee along with Charles Sherrod. She worked tirelessly helping folks in southwestern Georgia to become registered voters. She became the first woman field organizer in a very dangerous part of the country. On September 6, 1962, white segregationist night riders shot firearms into the house where Hall was staying, and she and two of her roommates were wounded, but they survived. Only three days after that incident, two black churches were burned to the ground. This drew the attention of activists around the nation, including the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And as church members and activists gathered for a prayer service, Prathia Hall led the group in prayer. And as she prayed, she repeated the phrase, I have a dream. I have a dream. And she repeated this phrase over and over again. I have a dream as she longed for change and justice and freedom for all. Prathia Hall later acknowledged that Dr. King asked her permission to use that phrase in his sermons. And it led to the development of the famous I have a dream speech that he spoke at the March on Washington in 1963. Because of Dr. Hall's experience in the civil rights movement, she had to preach. Hall married Ralph Wynn in the mid-1960s, and after a period of time wrestling with her calling, she was ordained a Baptist minister in 1977 and became the pastor of the church later uh, that her father had founded 40 years earlier in Philadelphia. She and her husband had two children, in the midst of pastoring and parenting, 
she went to Princeton Theological Seminary, earning two master's degrees and a doctorate amidst tremendous upheavals in her life, both personal and professional. In 1982, she became the first woman to join the Baptist Minister's Conference in Philadelphia. And later on, she became professor at Boston University, serving as the Martin Luther King Jr. Chair in Social Ethics with the School of Theology. In the midst of her calling to serve God as a pastor, she was met with opposition even inside of her own home. Her husband did not support her call into pastoral ministry, and he tried to stop her. Ralph abused Prathia verbally, emotionally, and physically. In fact, two weeks before Prathia was ordained in 1977, Ralph beat her so badly that she required hospitalization. She endured the abuse thinking that she might be able to save her marriage. Finally, she said, I have no more to give. We cannot live with the hatred Ralph evidences for us any longer. I must have a divorce now. For many years, I have stayed in this situation trying to spare my children a broken home. The home is broken, and they are suffering. Divorce is the only responsible action. Ralph and Prathia did divorce. For so long, she refused to report Ralph's abuse because she was afraid that the scandal of problems at home would be used against her at a time when there was considerable cultural and religious hostility to the ordination of women in ministry. Prophets that speak hard truths from Jeremiah to Prathia Hall have endured the scorn of haters who hope for nothing more than to see these prophets fail or fall or go away. Even through all of this pain and suffering, Dr. Hall had to preach. All of these experience, experiences, they deeply shaped her life and her theology and the way that she talked about God and the way that she thought about God. Dr. Hall was what's called a womanist theologian. A womanist theologian. What does that mean? Well, in her biography, Freedom Faith, The Womanist Vision of Prathia Hall, Courtney Pace wrote, Womanism is rooted in the experiences of black women, affirming the equal humanity of all people, with concern to oppose every form of oppression, including racism, sexism, and classism, and offering black women's correction to white fem feminism that isolated gender, often ignoring race and class. A womanist theological perspective asks questions of particular scriptural texts. Whose voice is missing in this text? What could we learn from this voice? And most importantly, a womanist theological perspective notes how scripture has been used to oppress women through misinterpretations, and in turn, how it can be used to liberate woman, women through careful reinterpretations. A womanist theological perspective celebrates the voices of women 
within the cultural minority and brings those voices to the foreground of theological conversation. It seeks to tell the whole story. Let me give you an example. In a sermon called Encounters with Jesus from Dying to Life, Dr. Hall spoke about the woman in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, who had menstruated every day for 12 years. You've heard that story called The Woman with the Issue of Blood. In this sermon, she honored women and their bodies as holy. And while going into explicit detail about women's health issues, Dr. Hall said, 12 years times 12 months of fabricating adequate sanitary protection, first century style. 12 years times 12 months of raging hormones. 12 years times 12 months of suffering. And because of the cultural practices of the day, this unnamed woman whose body and soul were bleeding was utterly isolated by her religious community. But Dr. Hall did not let this unnamed woman's medical condition define her. After this woman found Jesus and touched him, Dr. Hall said, courageously, oh yes, she trembled, but courage often trembles. She was afraid, but that is when courage is called for. She knelt down before him and told him the whole story. Unafraid of this woman's body, Jesus healed and he affirmed her. Dr. Hall said, Jesus grants her shalom. Go in peace. Be cured. Be healed. Be well. Be free. Let no one negate you. Let no one abuse you. Let no one demean you. Let no one degrade you. Let no one defraud you. I give you wellness and wholeness and your womanhood, and I give you peace. You are restored to your community. As Dr. Hall's biographer Courtney Pace noted, the message of the gospel was both personal salvation and social justice for Prathia Hall. The bridging of the two was essential in her preaching, in her context. And as a womanist theologian, as one who had to tell the whole story, Dr. Prathia Hall had to preach. She had to preach. At the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, in his hometown synagogue, he read from the prophet Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Both Dr. Hall's words and life were a witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. She had to preach Dr. Hall knew God as deliverer, Jesus Christ as liberator, and, as this, and the Spirit as power. May our hearts be open to the movement of the Spirit. May our faith continue to call us 
to action, to respond to the greatest inequities with compassion. May God's vision and plan of restoration and repair inspire us to dream beyond what we thought was possible. And when we wonder what course of action is best in a particular situation, may we look to Jesus. May we follow the one who taught us to love one another as I have loved you. Amen.